Well, good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. We have some that are out of town uh, today, and we're glad you're here. Glad some of you are back who've been out of town. So it's a delight to see you again as well. Uh, on the back of your bulletins are the announcements. Um, there's not many of them, but I do need to make a correction. Apparently, I looked at the sheet wrong. And, and next week is not the potato bar. So if you're looking forward to potatoes next week, I understand it's the alphabet meal. So you can bring, I told somebody, you can bring baked potatoes if your last name begins with a B. But otherwise, you know, whatever the case might be. But just look at the website and sign up for the food that is available there. And um, then we have Zoom on Wednesday. We have prayer meeting. Love to have you join us. If you need information about that, please see me. And then the um, Growing in Grace Retreat. That's there in your bulletin. That's for singles and married young adults, 21 and older. So I thought about registering because it said young adults married. And 20, I'm older than 21, but I don't think that's what they have in mind. But uh, it's out in New Jersey, in Montville, New Jersey. So if you need more information, uh, it's there on the page if you're interested in attending that for those who are singles and married young adults, 21 years and older. So I believe that that covers all the announcements that we have this morning. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 95, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalm. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Our worship will demonstrate how great we believe our God is. When he says, let us shout joyfully, I don't, I, it doesn't mean just shout, but it means there's some enthusiasm with regard to how we worship God. And may we know that our God is great and he is worthy of our worship. Will you take a moment and prepare your hearts to worship that great God? Inside your bulletin is the call to worship from the 20th Psalm, Psalm 20. The psalmist reminds us that the righteous man puts nothing with God in order that he might have the joy and trust that he ought to have. Our trust is in God alone plus or minus nothing. 
And the psalmist reminds us of that reality. Will you stand with, us, with me and let us call one another to worship with this responsive reading. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. They have bowed down and fallen. We have risen and stood upright. Now let us take our hymns of grace, the hymns of grace, number 176, in which we ask him to be our vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Number 176 in the hymns of grace.
how we come to you this morning to praise your holy name, that you are the King of heaven, the God of glory of heaven and earth, and our victory you have won, and we praise you for that. Lord, we look forward to one day where we will stand before you in heaven and praise your holy name. O bright heaven sun, Lord, be our vision today. As we come together and worship you, may you guide our worship. May your Holy Spirit be upon us. May you teach us your truth. May you impart your wisdom to us. Keep us attentive. Help us to hear your word, to understand it, to apply it to our lives and to follow it. May your presence be here with us today. Be our vision. Watch over us today as we worship you. And may our worship be pleasing and honoring to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now take your Trinity hymn books, the Trinity hymn books, turning to 226, 226. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Your Lord and King adore. 226 in the Trinity hymn book.
Turn with me in your copies of God's Word to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 24 and go through the end of the chapter. Matthew 13, verse 24. It's a fairly lengthy passage. There's one thing I'll say about it is this first parable we come and do, the tares among the wheat parable, um, the disciples come to Jesus later and ask him to explain this parable to us. And I love it when this happens because any ambiguity that was left in the parable is removed completely with Jesus giving us his own explanation of how the parable goes. And not only do we get an explanation of this parable, but now we kind of have a pattern of how we should interpret all the other parables. It's great insight into Scripture and what Jesus is saying. So here we'll start uh, verse 24. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slave of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leaven. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so, it be, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the, fire, the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach. And they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. 
the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he he departed from there. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogues, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. We go to prayer once again this morning. We want to pray for the Grace Reformed Baptist Church. Well, I think it's the Grace Baptist Church there in Rochester, New York with Pastor Price. And then also we want to pray for the Jangs, for Ho Jun, who is seeking to plant a church there in South Korea. Pray that God might bless his efforts in doing that as well. So let us seek our God together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, how thankful we are that many of us gathered in this place this morning are a part of the kingdom of God. We thank you that you have been pleased to open our eyes to our sins. You have been pleased to draw us unto yourself, granting us faith and repentance that we might be numbered with the children of God. And Father, how we pray for the advancement of that kingdom. We pray that others would be added unto it. And Father, we pray that even this day as your word goes forth, as the gospel is sounded concerning the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that many blind eyes will be opened and many hearts of stone will be made hearts of flesh. Father, how we pray that we might labor for your kingdom, that we, Father, might be used to see your kingdom go forward. And we long for that day of completion when we will be a part of that new heaven and new earth, when we will see you and be like you, for we will see you as you are. And therefore, Father, we pray that we might be kingdom-minded, not kingdom of this world, but kingdom of, of Almighty God. Father, how we would pray that you would be with those who labor diligently for the advancement of that kingdom. We thank you for the Grace Baptist Church there in Rochester, New York. Thank you for the report of how you've been pleased to keep them in the midst of the pandemic and pray that they might continue to know of your grace and mercy. We know that one of the concerns that they have is is the one deacon who's a very elderly man who's failing in health but desires to serve you and pray that he would continue to be able to do so And that you would raise up other men, even in that assembly, who would be able to labor in the eldership and in the diaconate for the good of that congregation. And then, Father, we thank you for the Jengs and we thank you for Ho Jun and the family as they've gone to South Korea. 
And Father, we pray that you would bless their labors. We thank you for this one young man who's been recently converted. And now he's had to go serve in the military as it's mandatory there. We pray that you would help him to keep his heart. We pray that he would maintain good contact with Hojun, that he might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for others. We think of Hojun's brother-in-law who attends the worship services, that, Father, you would have dealings with him, that you would bring him unto yourself. And we pray that we might rejoice in days to come that you have been pleased to establish a a church there uh, to the glory of God. Father, we ask that you would be with those who aren't able to be with us this morning. Uh, We pray, Father, that you will draw near to them and may they return to us very soon. We pray, Father, that you would meet with us. We pray that the Spirit of God would come by the Word of God and minister to us this morning. May, may each one of us examine our own lives in light of the Word of God. Come, we pray, and do us good as we ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. Now before we come to open the Word of God, take your hymns of grace once again, the hymns of grace, turning to 429, 429, For the beauty of the earth, let us sing this hymn together.
Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Last week we began to look at this chapter together. It is a chapter that can be divided up into two sections. Much of this chapter is calling Israel to remember and not to forget. We find it there in verse 2. We find it in verse 11. Down in verse 14. There in verse 18. Remember, do not forget over and over again. It is a chapter in which the desire is to always Always remember the gracious dealings of God towards you. Remember how kind God has been to you and how He has provided for you. Whether you're in the wilderness or whether you're in the good land. Now last week we considered together their life in the wilderness in verses 1 through 6 were reminded of those 40 years that they traveled through the wilderness. And we noted several things together. We noticed that the days in the wilderness were days that were planned. The Lord your God led you into the wilderness. We also took note that there was a purpose, a purpose behind those 40 years in the wilderness. He said that He might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart. Moses goes on to say, thus that you might know your heart, that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. There, there was a purpose for those years in the wilderness. And then finally we saw that in the wilderness there was a goal. There, there was a desired end. We read there in verse 6, Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. That was the desired end, that they would be a people who loved God, who obeyed God, who, who feared God. Now this morning, we come, up, we come to take up what we might consider the better days. We're going to move from the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to God bringing them into a good land. The good land stands in contrast with the years in the wilderness. But again, what we will note together is this, that even in the good land, there are hazards. There are things that you need to be aware of even in the good land. And so as we come to open up, starting at verse 7, through the end of this chapter, we will notice a couple things together. We will notice, first of all, the particulars of the good land, the details concerning the good land. And then we will notice the purpose of the good land, again, what was God teaching them even in the good land? And then finally, we will look at the perils or the 
dangers of the good land. But follow now as I read this portion of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter chapter 8, starting at verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in the valleys and in the hills, a land of wheat and of barley, of vines and of fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His ordinances, and His statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery servants and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness He fed you manna which your father did did not know that He might humble you and that He might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of My hand made Me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. And it shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. You shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Well, again, let's consider some things together this morning. First of all, the particulars of the good land. The particulars of the good land. Certain, certainly in these words were great blessings. I mean, just, just hearing the contrast, if you were asked, do you want to live in the wilderness or do you want to live in the good land? I, I would imagine unless, you know, there's something not too well up here, you would say, I I would far rather live in the good land. But I want you to consider the details of that good land and then the source of that good land. The, The details. It is a good land. This is no wilderness. It is, it is a land that is filled with, with good. 
It is a land that is fruitful. It is a land that is rich in material. Just reading verses 7 through 9, you recognize this must have been a wonderful place, especially in contrast over the last 40 years. It is a land that is known even by their fathers as a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a desiring land. The areas in particular that Moses points out concerning this land is, first of all, its substance. It, It has brooks of water, fountains, and springs. In the wilderness, it was a parched land. It was a dry land, and, and, and you were thirsty, and, and, and God provided water for you, not from the land, but out of a rock. Now you've got a land that flows with water. He points out the produce. It's, it's an agricultural land. There's orchards. There's wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and and honey. Good things. Appetizing to the palate. For 40 years in the wilderness, what did you eat? You ate manna. And manna sustains you and manna was provided for you. But, you know, every day, manna, you know. Since, Since my wife has been ill, I have come to appreciate what many of you women do in preparing meals. Because I often ask her, so what do you want for supper tonight? And whatever you want. And, 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 and what I can cook is somewhat limited. So, you know, hamburger, pork chops, something like that. You're not going to get a casserole from me. Sorry. Don't know how to do all that. All right. Imagine 40 years eating manna. And now being in a place where you'd have wheat, you could make bread, and barley, and olive oil, and, and even for that sweet tooth, some honey, some honey. It, it was a, a land that was resourceful. There, there was stones that are, that are iron and hills that you can dig copper out of. It was a wonderful land. And it's certainly, as I mentioned, a land that stands in contrast with the wilderness where they have lived. In the wilderness, they were hungry. God humbled them. Remember there in verse 3, He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. There were days in which you were hungry. There was thirst and everything else. But now, you can eat and be satisfied. Eat and be satisfied, we read here. It's a wonderful land. Just read again, verse 10 and 11. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. And beware not to forget. It's a, it's a good place. So those are the details concerning this land. But let me say something about the source. 
How did all this come about? How were they brought to this good land? How is it theirs? Where did it come from? Well, again, if you read this section of Scripture, you will hear over and over again exactly where it came from. It came from God. This was the Lord's doing. And it's wonderful in our eyes. Verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Verse 10, You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Verse 14, And then your heart will become proud and you will forget the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house. How did you arrive here? Not, not all that long ago, you were slaves. You were in bondage. And you've been delivered. How did that happen? This was God's doing. How did you arrive here? This was God's doing. How are all these things here? This is God's doing. Verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make wealth that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. It's God who gave you that ability. This is the Lord's doing. I, I love that verse. When you eat and are satisfied. There's, there's nothing wrong with enjoying what God has provided. There's nothing wrong with eating and being satisfied. Now, we're not talking about gluttony here. We're talking about just enjoying what God has given you. There's nothing wrong in and of itself if God has so provided and you're able to drive a fairly nice car. What a wonderful gift from God. If you have a home with a roof over your head and and the furnace is working, and, and enjoy that. Recognize it as a gift from God. It's not an evil thing, but a gift that comes from God. All these things are from the hand of a loving, sovereign, powerful God. He is the source of all these things. And that is emphasized again and again. So those are the particulars. It is a good land when you consider all that is in it. And then the source is that they are from God. But now notice secondly with me from this passage, the purpose of the good land. The purpose of of the good land. Now again, go to verse 10. When you eat, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. When God has provided for you so that you can live and perhaps we could even say you can live comfortably 
our response should be a sense of amazement and a sense of gratitude. A sense of amazement that God would give me these things. A sense that God would, amazement that God would smile and show His favor towards me in allowing me to have these things. And, and then a sense of gratitude. Giving Him thanks, recognizing that He is the one who has provided all these things. That word bless. Bless the Lord your God is a term that means to kneel, to adore, to praise. We ought to give Him praise. We ought, we ought to adore Him. We, we ought to be humbled. Again, we read here in the text that, that He is doing it to, to humble us, to test us, to see what's in our hearts. It, it ought to humble us that God is, is so much better to me than I ever deserve. And yet, in our lives... What is often our response when things come into our lives? How do we respond? So often we complain. We we complain. It's not good enough. I want it better. I want it different. Or we grow angry. This wasn't what I was expecting. This, this wasn't what I thought would happen. Or perhaps a sense of ingratitude. How often do we thank God? How often do you thank God? When, when was the last time you took a drink of water and thanked God for that water? You know, there, there are things that we simply take for granted. Until we don't have them anymore. And we recognize that they're from God. Now, I'm not trying to paint a picture that every time I take a drink of water that your pastor, thank you God. But, but, but is there that sense of, of gratitude? When you sit down at a table and you have that feast before you, we might consider it just, just another meal. There are people in this world who would consider what will be set on my table this afternoon to be a feast. And, and we're having sloppy joes. That's just a sloppy joe sandwich. But there are some people who would love to have that sloppy joe sandwich. And, and God's allowed me to have it. Do I give thanks to God? Do I thank Him? And maybe, you know, somebody mentioned this and I thought it was interesting. You know, most of us, it's our practice to give thanks before we eat. Moses seems to give the idea of when you eat and are satisfied, bless God. Maybe we should take time after a meal to say, now let us give thanks to God as well. Give thanks. He's the giver. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift, both materially and spiritually. 
materially, what, what do you have that you did not receive from Him? You ought to be thankful. And some of us, maybe sometimes we have the mentality, well, if I, if I was thirsty, I mean really thirsty, and, and there was no water to be found, uh, and, and, and somebody strikes a, a rock and, and water comes forth, wow, I would thank God. This would be wonderful. But, but we're living in a time and, and in a culture in which we simply go to the sink and pop it on and there's water. And we don't think about giving thanks to God. If we were starving, if we were hungry, and God wonderfully provided manna from heaven to satisfy that hunger, we would, we would understand, I need to thank God. Look at this miraculous thing He has done. But in our culture, in our society, we go to the cupboards and we just simply open a can of beans and throw them on the stove. No big deal. Go in the freezer and get out a pound of hamburger. Not a big deal. And we forget to thank God. Bless God. To adore Him. So when you eat, and are satisfied, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the land He has given you. So God gives us good things, and He gives us good things in order that we might give Him praise, give Him thanks, bless His name. So we've seen the particulars of the good land and, and the purpose of the good land. But then notice with me as well the perils of the good land. The dangers. And, and here as you read down through this passage, I, I believe that Moses sets before us three dangers that we might be vulnerable to in living in the good land. The first one is this. We forget God. We forget God. Verse 11, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Verse 14, Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. The God who gave you life, you have forgotten. You have forgotten the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You have forgotten the one who redeemed you. You have forgotten the one who's given you life and now who provides for you. You've forgotten God. You're living in a good land. It's provided for you. And you've completely forgotten God. Oftentimes, God gives His people's exercises to remind them. For the children of Israel, they observed the Passover and, and, and every, every year they would, they would observe the Passover and the children would come out and say, well, what's this about? Why, what, why is this blood over the doorpost? And, and you would remind them of, of what God did in, in bringing you out of Egypt. There were the various feast. There, there was the Day of Atonement. All these things were built in to be reminders. And even now in, in the New Covenant, 
we, we we're told to remember and we come to the Lord's table for that very purpose to remember the Lord's death until he comes. Oftentimes when we enjoy plenty, we become practical atheists. In seasons of plenty, we become practical atheists and we forget God. We don't give Him thanks. We don't acknowledge that these things come from Him. Which then leads me to the second danger. And the second danger or peril that's mentioned here is we give self-credit. We give self-credit. Verse 15, and He led you through the terrible, a great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and its scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water and He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. And in the wilderness He fed you with manna which your fathers did not know that He might humble you and that He might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise... You may say in your heart, My power, my strength made me this wealth. Oftentimes we have this mentality that says something like this Everything I have, I've worked for. This is my doing. I am, in the terminology, I'm a self made man. I owe nobody anything. This I've done myself. If you knew my background, if you knew what I grew up with, and to see where I am today, look what I have done. Did you ever meet a guy like that? Yeah, I drive a nice car. I, I've worked hard for that car. Yeah, I have a nice house. I, I've worked hard for that house. I've done it on my own. This is mine. And he gives himself all the credit. Listen, that new car didn't come from a rock. I work for it. Kids, I want you to know. Those lights that come on, they don't come on because some miraculous supernatural thing. I've got to pay the electric bill. You sat around my dinner table, not a one of you went outside and collected the meat that fell from heaven. I've worked to fill that freezer that we might enjoy some good food. I hope you recognize your father for being the hard worker that he is and providing for this family. I've provided for you. I've been, I've dealt with situations where a husband wanting to have his wife in submission to him and wants to make sure she, he gets her there would say something like, listen, you obey me because I am the provider of this place. Now, there may see some truth in that reality. 
And I'm not saying to children, children, listen to me. I'm not saying when you sit down for a meal that you don't say, Mommy and Daddy, thank you. Dad, thanks for working so hard. Thank you, Mom, for the preparation. Right? I'm not saying, you know, you don't look at your parents and say, you know what, I thank you, but, you know, this is God's doing. I'm going to thank Him. I'm sorry. No, you, you need to express gratitude to Mom and Dad for what they have provided and, and what they have made. But we also need to recognize that it is through God that all these things come about. Because none of us knows what a day may bring forth. I, I'm reminded in a stark way about that reality because, as most of you know, I have a twin brother who's also a pastor. And he's preached for the last 30 plus years. And this last September, October, it comes down with COVID. He's had a stroke, he's had heart difficulties. And one of the things that he is struggling with right now, as he told his wife, I talked to his wife yesterday, and, and he says to her, I'll, I'll never preach again. He can't talk. He's got a trach. And he can't talk. Now, we're praying that the trach will be gone and maybe one day he'll be in the pulpit again. But, but here's my point. We, we don't know what's going to happen next. And the man who thinks, listen, I'll take care of my family. I'll provide for them. I've got two good legs and strong back. You don't know when you may not walk again. It's only by the gracious hand of God that you can continue to walk. And sometimes we take these things for granted. You know, what? Why has God given me some mental capacity to at least in some way make some sense and application to the Word of God when there are others who don't even have that mental capacity to do such a thing? Why Him and not me? Why, why can I stand behind a pulpit and preach and have a voice when He can't. Why Him and not me? Now, oftentimes we think this way in the opposite. When, when we're going through difficulties, when, when something happens and, and I can't function like I once did, we say, why did this happen to me? Why not Him? But how often do we, when we're in good health, and when we're able to provide for our families and, and enjoy good things, how often do we stop and say, wow, why is that me? And why am I not like him? Matthew Henry says, we should never take the praise of our pros pros prosperity to ourselves nor attribute it to our own geniusness and industry. We should never take the praise of our 
prosperity for ourselves. And we should never attribute it to our own wisdom and work. This is God's doing. And to Him, may He receive the glory and the honor. Instead of look, look and see what I have done. Look and see what I have accomplished. Look at these things as though all the credit belongs to you. You forget the hand of God. You you forget the goodness of God. Dear people, how often are we guilty of that? Many of us would have to confess all too often we have forgotten God because, dear people, we've gotten so much. Now, I know, I know. You can go to Walmart today and some of the shelves will be empty. I've Listen, I've done more grocery shopping in the last six months. And you don't know how many times I have to call my wife. They don't have this. What do I get in its place? Okay. It's the time in which we live. Supply chain or whatever else is going on. But believe me, we have far more. Far more. I mean, I don't know what the poverty level is. And I don't know what that's like. But, you know, I, I, it's amazing how much we have and how little gratitude we show for it. And so we forget God. We, we, we give credit to ourselves. And the third warning is this. We follow after other gods. We follow after other gods. Isn't it sad? He, he does all this. He provides all these things. And then we read, and it shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve and worship them, I testify against you today that you will perish. That would never happen. If God has been that good to me and provided all these things for me, why in the world would I go after other gods? But dear people, do you know the the history of Israel and what they do? They go after other gods. Oftentimes, this is a real warning, but oftentimes when one has received much from God, they begin to chase after other things. God God has... God has provided for you. God has blessed you. And in the midst of that, creeping in will be other things that become a priority in in our lives. You want to be practical? You know? A man receives, I mean, he struggled all of his life, his car is barely running. And, And then one day he gets a phone call. Saying, you know, Uncle Henry died and he left you five million dollars. Can you imagine that? Five million dollars. It would be like going from the wilderness for 40 years and now finding yourself in a good land. What do you do with it? How do you use it? 
And oftentimes when God blesses in that way, you know, I've seen it happen. All of a sudden, you know what? We're just going to travel and see the world. And often that means neglecting the community of God, neglecting the church, neglecting that, that need for fellowship with God's people. Because now my leisure is more important than my relationship to His church. And maybe it won't be a a luxurious yacht. It may be that God has blessed you and and, and you're able to buy a camper. Nothing wrong with buying a camper. Don't get me wrong. I love love camping. I love campers and all that. But suddenly, when when are we going to camp? Well, the only time we have is the weekends, right? It's the only time we have. So what do we do? Well, I, I enjoy that time away. I enjoy that camping. And that becomes my God. And I begin to neglect more important things in my life. That's a reality, folks. It happens. Pleasure. Leisure. Even family. My family can become a a, a God that, that causes me to neglect the more important things. Remember... Remember that starting, when was it, in chapter 7? Moses, from, from there to chapter 11, I believe he's, he's trying to open up that first commandment. The first commandment is what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Don't put another god in front of my face. Whether it's your pleasure, your leisure, your family, your, your, your business, don't put another god in front of my face. And that's what he's saying here. Listen, if I bless you, nothing wrong with that blessing. Enjoy it. Be satisfied. But don't you use it as a means to follow after other things. Keep your priorities where they should be. That's the warning here. And it's a warning that that each one of us should take. You know? I mean, retirement... Sounds like a good thing. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and, and, and he's going to get ready. As he said, he's, he's moving into a different position. He, he's going to retire. We, we say he's retired. He said, no, no, I'm not retiring. Just new opportunities. New opportunities. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. If God has so blessed you that you can retire. But man, in the midst of the retirement, remember, remember your God and don't put other gods in front of him. Keep Him first. Make Him the priority. Again, Matthew Henry says, when once the affections are displaced from God, they will soon be misplaced upon lying vanities. When once the affections are displaced from God, they will soon be misplaced on lying vanities. Take heed. Take heed. Let me, let me just close our time together by having you consider a couple passages. First of all, listen to the prayer of Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, in light of what we've read in this chapter, is an interesting prayer that Agur prays. The words of Agur. Proverbs 30, verse 7, listen, two things 
I ask of you, do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. That's the first thing. Keep deception and lies far from me. Two, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full, full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Lord, don't give me poverty. I'm afraid that if I'm in poverty, I, I will defame your name. I, I'll bear reproach upon you, and I don't want to do that. But, but don't make me wealthy so that I forget you. What, what an interesting prayer to pray. I just want to do what's right. Be found faithful. Loving you, serving you, and obeying you. Remember, that's, that's what Deuteronomy is all about. It's a calling of people to love and serve and fear God. But then finally, turn over to Hosea. Hosea. Hosea chapter 13. It's an interesting portion of Scripture to read after we just read the passage there in Deuteronomy 8. Hosea 13. Listen to what is said. Verse 4. Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt. And you are not to know any gods except me. For there is no Savior besides me. And they cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they had their pastures, they became satisfied. And as they had their pastures, they became satisfied. And, and, and being satisfied, their hearts became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. You see, when we read Deuteronomy 8, we'll say, that would never, look at what God is, that would never happen. And now here Hosea is saying, listen, I did. I, I gave you a good land. I provided for you. And what happened? Your hearts became proud. Look at what we have. Look at what we've done. And you forgot God. You don't think we're vulnerable to that? Let's be honest. We are. And may God help us to keep our own hearts. Let me ask you a, a simple question. If God came this morning and promised you these things, He promised you a land that had water flowing through it, and, and He promised you you would have plenty to eat, there would be no scarcity of food, and, and you would have stones that could be made iron, and you'd have copper coming out of the hills, and, and you're going to be provided for, and, and life will seem to be good and prosperous. Would you take that, God? Yeah, I'd take that, God. That's the kind of God I would follow. But I'm here to tell you something. The God of the Bible promises you even better things than that. 
He's promised you eternal life. He's promised you joy and peace. He's promised that if you come to Him in faith, you'll be reconciled to Him. He, He will declare you just without sin if you turn from your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's my point. There are a lot of you who are saying, no, I want that first God. I don't want to follow that second God. I don't want to follow a God who says He must be Lord and Master. And my friends, you're missing out on the best. You're settling for seconds. For to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, you are promised to be a part of His family. You are promised a new heaven, a new earth one day. These things shall be yours. And yet some of you sit here week after week and still would not bow your knee to King Jesus. And that's sad. But here's another opportunity. And it is my prayer today that you will come to know Him by trusting in the finished work of His Son. Let's pray. Father, as we read a passage like this, we rejoice at Your goodness. We give You thanks for Your bounty, recognizing that all that we have has come from Your hands. And so, Father, our hearts are filled with thanksgiving. And, our, and, and, and Father, how grateful we are. And when we come to a passage like this, we're also sobered because we know our own hearts. We know our own proneness to wonder and proneness to leave the God that we love. We know we're not exempt from forgetting our God, living every day as though God didn't exist, giving no thought to God as we live and drive our cars and live in our houses and eat our food. Forgive us, we pray. We pray that as the people of God, we would not forget that it is You who brought us out of the bondage that we once lived in. It is You who has redeemed us. It is You who have provided us with wonderful gifts, gift of eternal life, gift of forgiveness of sin. And so, Father, we pray that as the people of God, we would not forget. Help us, we pray as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Hymn number 400 in your Trinity hymn books. Number 400, that familiar hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing Thy grace. May we know that God provides us with every blessing And may our hearts rise up to give him thanks. Number 400 in the Trinity Hymn Book. Let's stand together as we sing.
look out and think, truly, we are a blessed people. God has given us so much. May we never forget Him. Lord,